0: The word epiphany is commonly used to refer to a moment of sudden insight or revelation, an aha moment, if you will. We've all had moments like that, breakthrough moments when we suddenly see something clearly that we have perhaps never before fully understood. The word epiphany comes from a Greek word that means appearance or manifestation. So it makes sense that the word applies to those moments when the light bulb comes on and we suddenly understand or appreciate some new revelation. I experienced such a moment during my 24 hour hospitalization last April. I went in at the insistence of my daughter who is a nurse because of some issues with my balance and two near fainting episodes that happened about a week apart. They did every test imaginable while I was there. And fortunately, everything checked out just fine. A little adjustment in my medication and a week of steroids for an inner ear problem were all it took to get me back on track. I'm thankful because I know that not everyone comes away from hospital or doctor visits with such a good prognosis. During the testing, my aha moment came after they slid me into the MRI machine to make sure that I hadn't had a stroke in my cerebellum. That'll give you an aha moment. Intellectually and rationally, we know that all of us are going to die someday. But suddenly, as I listened to the clanging of the MRI machine inside that narrow chamber, I realized that not only was everyone going to die someday, but more importantly, I was going to die someday, regardless of the outcome of the MRI. Somehow, a light bulb came on for me, and what I knew intellectually became very real and very personal. I think and hope that this epiphany has changed me. I try to live more fully in the present moment and be more attentive to the people that I'm with. And I'm working gradually on giving less power to the little things that annoy me. I do believe that these epiphany experiences are gifts to us. Gifts that can move us from relative darkness into an ever increasing light. This theme of moving from darkness to light is what we find in today's scripture from Isaiah. Israel had a problem. They had returned from exile just as the Lord had promised, but nothing was as expected. That is the best guess for the historical situation in Isaiah 60. Jerusalem and her temple were in ruins. Poverty and struggle were the rule of the day. Neighboring nations chuckled and rolled their eyes. This was the long awaited yearned for salvation Listen first to the words from the preceding chapter that describe the state in which the Israelites find themselves. From chapter 59, a few highlights. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. The Israelites had returned to Jerusalem from exile, but injustice, unrighteousness, and oppression had all come back to Jerusalem with them. Their location had changed, but their hearts were still far from God, and they were living in darkness. All is darkness. We walk in deep shadows. We grope along the wall like people without eyes. We stumble at midday as if it were twilight. What a vivid description of what it is like to suffer in darkness to suffer through a period where no light seems to shine. It's a place you have maybe encountered yourself before, or perhaps you or someone you know may even be there now. Then God speaks these words to a darkened, defeated people. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. For ancient Israel, this was a promise, a promise meant to create hope. Walking in darkness was not the end of the story. God will cause God's light to shine upon you. No matter what trouble, you and I may be experiencing, no matter how dark the path seems to be, you are not alone. You may be suffering from ill health or grief or loneliness or isolation or addiction or depression, but you do not have to go it alone. Reach out to the people who love you and who want to accompany you. And know that God will always be there for you to bring light, to dispel the darkness. As I continued to read the 60th chapter, as it relates to the people of Israel, I discovered a troubling aspect of the prophet's description. Let me just read a few of the verses that appear later in chapter 60. To you the riches of the nations will come. Foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you. The nation or kingdom that will not serve you will perish. It will be utterly ruined. The children of your oppressors will come bowing at your feet. All who despise you will bow down at your feet. Does this sound a little like a revenge fantasy to you? It does to me. It sounds like the prophet is saying God's light will shine on you and you will have revenge that's worthy of a Liam Neeson movie. Your oppressors will become the oppressed. Your masters will become your servants. Anyone that will not serve you will perish and you will be the beneficiaries of the economic system rather than its victims. The prophet's description in Isaiah sounds very different to me from what we have just celebrated at Christmas. Jesus, the light of the world coming to us in the form of a vulnerable baby, born in a humble stable. Martin Luther, in his essay, The Freedom of the Christian, gives us a profound lesson on how to wield divine power. He says that all the riches of heaven are given to us in Christ, not in order that we might subjugate others, but rather that the Christian might empty himself, take on the form of a servant, and in every way deal with his neighbor as he sees that God through Christ has dealt and still deals with him. The divine power we have in Christ, in other words, is power for the other power for the neighbor. Great power of course enables the domination of those who are weaker. The vision of Isaiah might be possible if living in God's everlasting light meant oppressing the oppressor and killing anyone who refused to serve you. But the light of Christ, leads us on a different path. Following Jesus, we realize that power does something else. It frees us, not to subjugate, but to serve, not to crush, but to heal, not to extract resources, but to provide them for the less fortunate. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. For us, the ones who walk now after the birth of the Christ child, these words are indeed an epiphany. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. We may not have had eyes to see it until now, but the Spirit's job is to open the eyes of the blind. The Lord's glory has indeed appeared to us in the coming of the Christ child. Let us then orient ourselves so that grace does shine forth to the world, reflected by you and me. May the grace that we have received radiate beyond our comfortable pews into our daily lives, and then into the lives of those around us. That's how people become followers of Jesus. That might even be an epiphany. There's still plenty of darkness in the world, but light has dawned in Christ. That is the Lord's glory. May it burst forth upon us, and eventually upon the world. May it be so.
1: For those of you who don't already know it, our church has enjoyed 20 years, give or take, of friendship and partnership with La Iglesia de Resurrección in Carlos Rojas, Cuba. When Dan and I preached on mission just a few months ago, A central theme was that the work of God in Christ and in us is not so much to change people's minds to match ours as it is to transform lives and communities by bringing justice. From my own experience in cross-cultural ministry, I'm convinced that friendship is a crucial way of doing this. In our time partnering with Resurrection Church, we've built such friendships. Park Road Baptist members have visited the sick, dined with sister church members, provided over-the-counter medications that aren't available in country, and financially supported the church's annual budget even during the pandemic, choosing generosity and trust in the middle of an economically uncertain time. We've also shared a dress or two. This year, we'll be giving something like 500 dresses out that our needlers have made themselves. Dan tells me that friends in Cuba will come to worship at La Iglesia de Resurrección wearing their dresses. Miladis, the pastor of Resurrection Church, tells stories of the impact those dresses have had on the larger community weaving their fellowship of faith into the fabric of the region around Carlos Rojas our support of Miladies is noteworthy in itself being a woman pastor in any community brings its share of challenges and i'm sure not least in cuba Milady's has been sure to arrange for her ordination and installation and graduation celebration to all happen during our visits so that we could be a part. Others at the church also schedule important faith milestones for when we are there, including their baptism services. From the stories I've heard, I think that Iglesia de Resurreccion sees us as vital participants in the life of their church which means that we are. We always hope to have an impact on the communities we serve in, but you only know you have when they say so. Perhaps this is the fruit of the longest running partnership in all of the Alliance of Baptists. The last thing I'll say as I invite our trip attendees to come to the front for their commissioning and blessing is just too timely to go unsaid. It's not lost on me that within many of our lifetimes, a mere 62 years ago, the U.S. and Cuba were on the brink of nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis. President John F. Kennedy and Premier Nikita Khrushchev chose a diplomatic solution when violence was the main option on the table. I think cross-cultural friendships like these help us to recognize the humanity of every people, every nation, and perhaps these friendships give us the courage to pursue peace and trust in our own day, in our conflicts. To Rosemary, Debbie, Dan, Ina and Ekaterina, may this continued mission and your time in Cuba strengthen our relationship with La Iglesia de Resurrección. Know that you're representing all of us. Represent us and Christ well. Bring back stories with good news. We need them. Witness to the goodness of God who loves all people and calls all nations and is working to redeem The entire world. Go and shine light. Go in peace. Would you pray with me as we bless our our mission participants? God, we ask for you to bring us into your mission to restore all things. Help those who are going as ambassadors for our church to represent us well. Help them to meet you. As they serve one another, and our friends at Resurrection Church, and the other folks they meet. Give all of us the courage to choose peace and trust every day. May they return with stories of your goodness, visions of the beauty of your world, and tales of the kindness and humanity of our neighbors. May they return with a deeper hunger for justice. That inspires the rest of us to act and live in your will and by your way. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.